Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Brady Homer. Brady is a PhD candidate in applied physiology and kinesiology at the University of Florida and a writer and researcher for examine.com. In this episode, we discuss how aerobic exercise and resistance training enhances metabolic health. Brady touches on metabolic flexibility, insulin-independent glucose uptake, muscle as a metabolic sink, and so much more. But before we get started today, I want to update you on a project that I've been kind of alluding to for a while now, and that is AIM-7. Many of you know that I helped pioneer the use of athlete wearable tracking technology in American football a little over a decade ago, and since then I've been fascinated by wearable technology. In 2020, I began working on a new technology to make consumer wearable tech like your Apple Watch or Aura Ring actionable, and I'm excited to announce that we've built the first solution that leverages this data to provide you personalized recommendations for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform your best. We are rolling this product out very slowly, and it's not yet available in the App Store. But if you want to get into the front of the line, you can go to www.aim7.com and sign up. And make sure that when you do, you say that you heard about AIM7 on the blueprint, and I'll put you to the front of the line. Also, I'll be sharing updates on the show about what we're learning, new insights about wearables, and essentially, I'm just going to build this thing in public. So I'm excited to share this journey with you, and thank you so much for your encouragement. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Brady, how does exercise, and when I say exercise, resistance training, aerobic exercise, improve our uh, metabolic health? So I think it would be... um kind of prudent to talk about maybe resistance and aerobic separately, because although there are, you know, common mechanisms, I think that exercise just in general shares, you know, movement is good for metabolism. I think that they do have kind of distinct benefits for metabolism. So if we think about aerobic exercise, um, I think one of the most kind of profound benefits, and this has been popular on kind of social media too, with all the talk about zone two training is improving mitochondrial health. So aerobic exercise, and when we say this, we can mean, you know, high intensity interval training, uh, moderate intensity, kind of steady state endurance training improves, you know, just the health of your mitochondria, which, you know, as we all learned in high school biology, the powerhouses of our cells, you know, they do a lot more than just that, but, you know, they produce our energy. And so the better your mitochondrial health, the better your overall health is going to be, the perhaps the longer you'll live, but the better your health span is certainly going to be. And so regardless of intensity, you know, we can do zone two or we can do high intensity training. Both of those are going to improve mitochondrial function. So that will result in a greater ability to utilize fat. It will also improve our glucose utilization. So not necessarily, you know, for the mitochondrial benefits, but exercise also improves glucose utilization, but it improves this thing called and this isn't really a well-defined term, but you might've heard it, metabolic flexibility. So yep. essentially metabolic flexibility is like, that means your body is well adapted to utilize whatever fuel source is sort of most readily available. So somebody who's metabolically flexible, say they go out and run a marathon, you don't fuel during that marathon. So your glycogen levels start to drop a little bit. Well, if your body needs to quote unquote switch in our body, it's not an on off switch where we're burning fat or burning glucose, but is able to utilize 
fat as well as carbohydrates. So you're not just, you know, your body lacks the enzymes to uh, burn fat. And once you run low on glucose, it's, oh, you're going to bonk. So that is kind of one of the benefits that aerobic exercise has where it upregulates your enzymes that are responsible for glucose utilization or carbohydrate utilization and fat utilization. So the fat utilization is mostly going to be, you know, those mitochondrial benefits. The glucose metabolism benefits of exercise also perhaps some of the most, uh, you know, well-studied, but exercise, and this is, you know, one of the most interesting kind of effects of exercise is that it improves something or it causes something called insulin-independent glucose uptake into the muscle. So essentially what that means, if people know what insulin is, so if you go and eat a high-carbohydrate meal, your insulin levels are going to increase in your body. And what that does is increase the uptake of glucose into your cells. And it does that by causing these glucose transporters to migrate to your cell walls. And then they essentially suck up the glucose. It's not a scientific term, suck up the glucose, but it- I think it's very scientific. Come on. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll use it. So your muscles will suck up more glucose when your insulin rises. So that's kind of one of the main functions of insulin. Well, what exercise does, and specifically muscle contraction, it stimulates that glucose uptake in the absence of insulin. And so that's one of the reasons why for people with type 1 diabetes who don't produce insulin, exercise is so beneficial because it's basically insulin. So, you know, you go and exercise and you increase your glucose utilization, even though your pancreas isn't really producing enough insulin. But this is that why I've yeah. heard it said before that the muscle is a metabolic sink. Yes, I actually, yeah, a metabolic sink. And that was, we can maybe talk about that when we get to the resistance training. But yeah, I mean, muscle, the more muscle mass you have, the better, you know, the more glucose that you're going to be able to not only like tolerate, but just use because, you know, muscle, one of the main fuels for muscle is glucose. So if you have more of it, you know, it's, yeah, it's a metabolic sink. I've heard that many times. And I really like that word because it's like, it's just a, it's like this reservoir because, you know, you have, have glycogen and muscle stores glycogen. So, you know, if you have more muscle, you're going to increase your glycogen stores a bit. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Having more muscle mass, that's certainly one of the the benefits. I love that. Yeah. Cause it, I guess this is a good transition. If you want to talk about resistance training, I don't know, you, you can see me. I'm, I'm not exactly, I love aerobic exercise. I like to ride a bike though. I do not like to run. It just does not work with me. Sprinting I'm good with. But I love resistance training um, and I really enjoy aerobic exercise, but it's something that I really enjoy doing. There's a lot of benefits to it. And, you know, the, we're also seeing now that like muscle is, you know, for a long time, it was cardiovascular, cardiovascular, cardiovascular exercise. A lot of Cooper's clinic really pushed a lot of mm -hmm. things, which is fine. It's great. We know we need to do it. I do several hours of it every week, but we also know that we need to resistance train. We need to stay strong. It's the muscle is like a longevity organ. So I'd love to really kind of dive into that a little bit, how that, how that impacts our metabolic health. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think with, you know, resistance training there, you know, the, the benefits of that are going to be dependent. So it's not maybe necessarily the resistance training per se that has, I think if we just compare, say like the acute effects on metabolism, aerobic exercise might be better just because you're body's energy flux is a bit higher with aerobic, you know, uh, exercise and things like that. But the benefits of resistance training, again, if you're increasing your muscle mass are certainly there. And I also think that's kind of one of the benefits of people will sometimes say, oh, what's better for weight loss, aerobic exercise or resistance exercise. And they're like, oh, you should be doing, you should be weightlifting for weight loss and not doing cardio. Well, it's 
all dependent on, you know, if you increase your muscle mass through resistance training, then it might have benefits for weight loss because your basal metabolic rate might increase a bit if you have more muscle mass. Even there, the the benefits for kind of resting metabolic rate, basal metabolic rate are quite small. So even if you put on, you know, a few pounds of muscle, your resting metabolic rate doesn't really go up that much like every day. It might be, you know, maybe 50 calories, maybe 100 if you're lucky. And so in the grand scheme of things, you know, what's an extra kind of 100 calories a day if you put on five pounds of muscle, which isn't easy to do. Five pounds of muscle is is quite a lot. Um, but regardless, yes, it's... I would know, just say both. Like, right. just get out and move. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's start with that. That's what all arguments often boil down to. You know, we can bicker all day long about aerobic or resistance, but it all comes down to, yes, you you need to do both. Um, but, you know, going back to kind of the resistance training, the effects of of muscle on kind of as a longevity organ, I think a lot of the benefits there are going to be going back to this aging process. So at a certain point, and you know, this isn't to say you can't build muscle at any age, because I firmly believe that you can, certainly it's harder and you might need to do more and eat more protein to build muscle, say at 60 and you do at 30. But at a certain point around maybe middle age, 40, 50 years old, your muscle mass kind of starts to decline. That's kind of around the same point that your VO2 max starts to decline. And it doesn't seem that training really prevents a lot of this, both for the VO2 max and muscle mass. So even if you keep training, you're going to lose a little bit of muscle. You're going to lose a little bit of your VO2 max as you age. But, you know, if you then are building muscle at an earlier age, you're starting with a higher baseline. So, you know, as you ride this curve downwards to your, you know, 80s and, and 90s, if you start with a higher baseline, if you're building that muscle mass, that protective muscle mass early on in age, you're going to sort of hit this um, frailty threshold a lot later. So there's kind of this threshold, at least for VO2 max, but also probably for muscle mass, where you know if you are below this minimum amount of strength or minimum amount of VO2, you're not really even able to do general activities of daily living. So I think for VO2 max, it's like below 15 mLs per kg per minute. And I'm sure there's kind of a minimum amount of muscle mass or strength their muscle quality that you need to prevent frailty, which is essentially, you know, just very weakened bones, very weakened muscles and an inability to sort of just engage in not exercise, but even activities like daily living, just going shopping and pushing a cart around. So if you're resistance training, you're protecting yourself against that by, you know, building as much muscle as you can before kind of that inevitable, and it's not a steep decline, but that gradual kind of decline in muscle mass occurs. So really you're just setting yourself up for a better trajectory towards aging by, you know, increasing your muscle mass. And then, you know, that isn't to say that you can't extend or maintain your muscle mass for a little bit longer. If you continue to resistance train, Um, I think that's, that's certainly possible, but it's definitely going to prevent you from reaching frailty or even just, you know, this area of reduced strength later on in life. Yeah. I think Peter Tia says it really well. Like, what do you want your marginal decade to be like, mm-hmm. you know, like the last decade, decade of your life, whenever that is, do you want to be non-functional? Well, if not, then you need to essentially, you, you kind of backcast or work back from that point. Like, what do I want to look like? I want to be able to move. I want to do a squat hinge, move my body. I'm not talking about exercise. I'm talking mm-hmm. about movement patterns. I want to be able to lift things. I want to be ambulatory. 
to do that, you have to have a certain level of strength. You also want to be able to maybe go on long walks, maybe do hiking, or maybe, so you got to have some aerobic capacity. I want my heart to work. So I want to have my cardiac output up. So these are, it's like, if you think about what you want to be like at the end, and like you said, there's this gradual decline, well, build the biggest freaking peak you can. Right. Right. And then, and then take care of yourself and continue training. And the things that we've talked about, you know, over the past couple episodes of aging process, you're, you're attenuating these processes by just doing the basics. You don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be a power lifter, but strain, strain yourself. I, I, I do a weekly on Instagram. I do a weekly post of me lifting something heavy or just the weight, you yeah. know, and people are like, wow, you know what? I'm like, no, no, no. It's all relative. Like if push-ups is heavy for you, strain against the push-up. If riding your bike at 145 beats a minute is, is, is pushing it, you go, go get on the bike and push it for a while. And I just think that we overcomplicate it too often. I know we're way off metabolism right now, but I, we're <laughs> yeah, just thinking about lifespan. Yeah, it's it's certainly a good point. And it's definitely something I think about because, you know, there's just some of the, I think there's kind of this like argument with resistance and aerobic going back to maybe what we said a few, an episode ago, but like, you know, there's a point where, you know, VO2 max is correlated with longevity. So is probably muscle mass and strength. I think that, you know, if you think about it in that way, I think that strength, if we're, you know, on the topic of resistance training, strength probably matters more than muscle mass to a point, meaning that if you have a minimum amount of muscle mass, you're good. And then what matters is how strong are you? So, you know, if maybe people aren't watching a video of us, but if you look at you and look at me, you know, I'm a tad bit, you know, tiny. I don't have as much muscle mass as you do. And so you can move, man, (laughs) the relative strength, the relative strength is sort of, you know, what matters. And you say, you don't need to be a bodybuilder for improved longevity. You need to have this minimum amount of muscle mass, but, you know, focus on improving strength and the mass might come as long as, you know, if you eat well and kind of go towards hypertrophy, but it's not, especially with muscle mass, you know, all of us, I think probably have sort of this cap or this predetermined kind of mass that we might be able to achieve. You know, I'm never going to be huge. Like some of the dudes you see deadlifting bone structure dictates all that. Absolutely. Like I'm never going to be deadlifting 400 pounds on Twitter. You know, it's just, it's just not going to happen, but relatively I can improve, you know, whatever my deadlift is and um, that will have marginal benefits. Um, So I think, yeah, it's, it's important for people to think about it like that. Don't compare your VO2 max or your mile time to anybody because your aging process is literally your aging process. And, you know, you just have to focus on what, uh, what things that you can improve. So if we bring this all back together, if you want to be metabolically healthy, you need to do aerobic exercise. You need to resistance train. There are a lot of things that it impacts, including mitochondrial health, your muscle being a, a metabolic sink, like we talked about insulin dependent glucose uptake. There's a lot of things. If you really want to get into the weeds that are fascinating. But if you just lift weights and you move your body, whether it's biking, running, rowing, come up with something in aerobic fashion consistently, you're going to just improve these things. And the science is there and it's fun to look at as a, as a society. We just got to keep making steps, moving forward and doing more. And it's going to all work, kind of work itself out. Yeah, I agree. And as you know, the scientists and people who are doing work in the area, like to overcomplicate things, like you said, because, you know, it's, it's fun to, to make aerobic action. It's fun to make exercise sexy. You know, what's the, what's the optimal amount of exercise I should do? Or like, what's the 
perfect amount of zone two training to do per week. But it's like when it really comes down to it. And I, I often talk about, you know, I have a couple of clients who I coach for endurance training and they're training for various races. And something that I like to kind of point out is like, yes, this is the training plan that I gave you. And these are the specific intervals and work to rest ratios that we're using. But there's a lot of things that can work for this to get you to run a fast half marathon. I can, I could write you five different training plans to run a fast half marathon. They're all probably going to work. And another coach could write you five different training plans and they're all probably going to work because the general principles are the same. You know, you run fast. Sometimes you rest. Sometimes you run slow. Sometimes you run far sometimes. So with exercise, I think it's like the same. So it's, you know, do what you like, combine a lot of things, you know, get, get your heart rate up a couple of times per week lift weights a couple times per week. And, you know, I think the reason why we sort of shy away from saying all that is again, it's just, it's not really sexy to just say, Oh, just move. You know, you want to, you want to make things more complicated because it's more fun to kind of chat about. And I, you know, I agree that it's fun to come up with protocols and find the minimums and the maximums, but yeah, I think you said it perfectly when it comes down to it, just literally move and move forward and try to move honestly as much as you probably can, because the science certainly shows that moving as much as you can is going to have health benefits. And who knows if they have a sort of point where they level off, but you know, it's, it's worth maybe finding out if, <laughs> if it does. Yeah. I think we should all explore the the limits of that one there. Absolutely. So Brady, if people want to, you have a great newsletter. If people want to follow you, learn more about what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. That's at B underscore Homer. And if you go there, you know, I have links to, like you mentioned, my my weekly newsletter, and I send out a few posts per week. I do a Physiology Friday newsletter where I break down a cool study that I find interesting. And I've been doing a weekly question and answer where I'll answer some questions about exercise or health that people will ask me. Um, and then I'll do occasional long form posts. So you can sign up for that newsletter. And, uh, you know, I, I won't spam your inbox, but I, I try to keep things interesting and, and more frequent. So those are kind of the two main places. If you find me on Twitter and the newsletter, you'll pretty much be up to date on, on anything that I'm posting, not too active on, on Instagram, but I do have one. I will say this. Brady is one of the folks that I follow consistently. He's always putting out good stuff. So I highly recommend go give him a follow. Thank you so much for coming on for these three episodes. It was awesome to have you. Yeah, Eric, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I'm sure we could do three more and, you know, (laughs) we will, uh, we will, you're going to get the call. (laughs) All right. Absolutely. But yeah, thanks again, Eric. This was a great time. Thanks for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you want to support the show, would you please consider leaving us a comment and review in the Apple Podcast app? Because this is one of the best ways that you can help us reach more people with the message of the Blueprint. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.